Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 15, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. We're in Chapter 7, entitled Working with Others. You'll find us on page 96, the third paragraph, beginning with, He May Be Broke and Homeless. And today's readers are Amy W. on the 12 Steps, Anne S. on the 12 Traditions, Paula, Melanie, Devora, and Dew, and the share ID number for Monday, October 14th, 5305. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Amy W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Amy W., a compulsive overeater from California. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol. I'm sorry. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to all overeaters, compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Anna Pass. Thank you, Amy. I will now call on Ann S. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. This is Ann from Pennsylvania, compulsive overeater, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Anne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 96, third paragraph, beginning with, He may be broke and homeless. And I will ask Paula to begin reading, please. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. He may be broke and homeless. If he is, you might try to help him about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance. But you should not deprive your family or creditors of money they should have. Perhaps you will want to take the man into your home for a few days, but be sure you use discretion. Be certain he will be welcomed by your family and that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connections, or shelter. Permit that and you only harm him. You will be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. This is Paula again. We ended with, and I'm going to scoot to that last line, yet it's on the top of the page. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. There is our goal. We have before us 
the 12 steps and we have many chapters, as we walk into here, our motives have to be clear. Why? Why do we do what we do? And I found that this part, aiding, helping in his destruction rather than his recovery, you can't do it for him. He must. Yes, we can aid. It says very clearly that. We can give first aid. But there is another part in this that's very even more clearer. But to help too much. Can you help too much? Yes. Yes, you can help too much. Then we have come into the position of carrying rather than caring, and that helps no one. So here there's a valuable lesson even here that we find, even here, as it says on page 88, we alcoholics are undisciplined. So we let God discipline us in the simple way we have just outlined. That would be the 12 steps. Each one takes the step for themselves, each step. But here we get to help another and extend our hand and our heart. But even here, we are careful. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sylvia. Go ahead, Sylvia. Hi. Good morning. This is Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Overgeater in Upstate New York. And... um, the line that uh, that comes out for me, besides uh, what Paula had just gone over, is the um, you should not deprive your family or creditors of money they should have. Uh, and it says, be sure to use your discretion. Be sure he will be welcomed by your family. Um, and so what the, what this brings to mind is in my own recovery and watching that of others, is that there has to be a balance that um, when, you know, when I first got into program, of course, you know, recovery was everything. It had to be. But then as I got, you know, absent and sober, I started getting less crazy by the grace of God. Now I have to be careful that there's a balance that I am not depriving my husband or my family of time that or or you know it's not so much money this time but that there's a balance to my life and and to the people I sponsor too that there's a balance that this is really important work God's work that we're doing but not at the sacrifice of our family without their um agreement and sometimes I can be as uh as focused and overwhelmed in a good direction as a crazy direction and it doesn't matter that's not balanced so i have to i have to check that balance i have to check that motivation and that to me is what the big book is saying there and with that i pass thank you thank you sylvia anyone else like to comment on what was read hi this is leah from new york go ahead leah Good morning, everybody, and thank you for being on this line. And what these lines are talking to me about is not enabling. Just the same way others enabled me in my disease, I also enabled others to do um, inappropriate things. And um, 
by staying focused and being aware of the needs of others and making sure that my motives are clear and correct and that I am um, taking my family and people in my life into consideration in addition to the addict, am I willing to help them? I need to stop and think, am I, what I'm doing, am I really helping him or am I enabling him? Um, and that's a very, very important piece because if, you ena- if I will enable him, then um, I will let him continue and help him do inappropriate behaviors and um, not get sober and recover. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Anyone else? This is Sally. Sally, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for you. Sally in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. I just want to speak to um, this, uh, these last two lines. You will be making it possible for him to be insincere. And when I looked at that word insincere, I, what comes to my mind is if he, if he is insincere and if he is possibly um, coming uh, because he's using you um, for money, for um, shelter, all the things that are being suggested here in this paragraph, if he perhaps is being insincere, could it make it harder for him to come back later when he is sincere, um, when he really is ready, when he really is ready to go forward? And beyond that, it says you may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. And what I have written here is if you carry him, he won't learn to walk. And, um, of course, that goes along with what Paula was saying. But I think here what's being said as well is, um, in addition to everything that's been said, is that um, it kind of harps in my mind back to that paragraph we just read a few days ago that says we may be... We may be hurting um, the opportunity for that man to come back at another time. And so we shouldn't really, we shouldn't push. The, the man has to be really ready. And um, that's what it says to me. Thanks for letting me share with that. I passed. Thank you, Sally. Anyone else? This is Lisa. Go ahead, Lisa. Um. I, this is, I'm Lisa, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Maine. I just really wanted to appreciate the boundaries my sponsor is working within. This whole entire Step 12 has really shown me a lot, and with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Let's move on to the next paragraph, please, with Melanie. Good morning. My name is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day, if need be. It may mean the loss of many nights' sleep, great interference with your pleasures, interruptions to your business. It may mean sharing your money and your home, counseling frantic wives and relatives, innumerable trips to police courts, sanitariums, hospitals, jails, and asylums. Your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. Your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. A drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You may have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you'll have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. 
Another time you may have to send for the police or an ambulance. Occasionally you will have to meet such conditions. I uh, spent some time considering what blessings I have in the in the interactions that I have with um, fellow compulsive overeaters in uh, comparison to this sort of thing. And of course, um, we are in the chapter of working with others, and this is a retelling of the experiences that these folks had during that time. And man, oh man, what a difference between what um, my experience has been and what theirs has been. But what it's telling me and what I and how I use this paragraph over and over and over again when I speak about service is um, willingness to go to any length. What is it going to take? What might I find? What might I meet? And where are some of the sacrifices that will come for you, Melanie, when you come out into this world and in your recovery? What is it going to take to keep you sober? And um, I can tell you without a doubt and without any hesitation that um, being mindful of this kind of condition and being of this kind of service all the time is what is making a difference in my in my life. And I have not had to meet these specific ones, but what I do meet on a daily basis is is um, phone calls from folks, very gratefully so, that call me regularly, maybe in the same place they were the day before. And I'm grateful to take those kinds of phone calls whenever I can. And I um, also found conversations with with my family, as the previous paragraph was suggesting, um, has been, I need to do this. You know, sometimes I need to do this and be available just like this. This is not necessarily the kind of, I've never had to go to a hospital. I've never had to administer medications. But in the realm of compulsive overeaters, I have had to um, be be awake and alive and alert at four a, at three a.m. and be able to answer some pretty technical questions about getting on the phone because they need to be there on that phone. That's what it looks like for them there. And then on the other side, um, taking phone calls depending on what side of the globe I'm on at midnight. That's when I've been able to take those. My count as a blessing. Certainly not to the degree the degree it is here in this area. But I wanted to emphasize the fact that I want to be available whenever. That's my responsibility. I think that's the most important thing that I see in this particular paragraph is um, that it's not going to do for you, Melanie, to um, to say you're a compulsive overeater and maybe occasionally work your steps. There is much more than that, much more than that that I will be doing. And I want to have that attitude and that willingness to step up to the plate. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Melanie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim. This is Sharon. Kim and then Sharon. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. Step 12 is the foundation of my recovery. It definitely is. And, and I'm thinking, you know, last two summers ago, I have a deck in my backyard, and I decided I wanted to make it a screened-in porch. And I got the quote, and we went to the uh, township to, to get the permit, and he said, wait a minute. He goes, you have to reinforce your deck. You have to reinforce it. And I'm like, why? You know, he said, it's fine. He's like, He's like listen. 
He goes, you can have the prettiest screened-in porch, but if that foundation, if that deck isn't supportive of that new, new structure, it doesn't matter how pretty it is. With the first storm, it's going to fall down. And that is so true with us. My foundation is carrying this message. It doesn't matter how pretty my life gets because I'm abstinent, because I've lost weight, because I'm able to do things I never thought I was able to do before program. If my foundation isn't in God, if my foundation isn't in that I need to carry this message in order to keep this recovery, I'm going to lose it all. And I have to tell you, carrying this message is not convenient. Getting up every morning to make sure I'm on this line is not convenient. I'm on the phone at least an hour and a half every night with sponsees. That is not convenient. But let me give you a warning. There was a girl in my in a meeting I was at a thing about a month ago, and she told me she's going through a really tough time and she needed to do some self-care. So she decided she was going to drop all her sponsees to take care of herself. And what is this telling us? It's telling us here that helping others is the foundation of our recovery. On page 20, even before we start in the steps, it reminds us that our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend on our constant thought of others. Let me tell you, that girl is now in the food. Because she pulled back from helping others. I'm not saying that's all it was, but she, she pulled back. What this book is telling us, which we've heard on page 89, is that practical experience tells us that intensive work with other alcoholics is our best chance against immunity from this disease. I messed up that quote, sorry. So if you're having a hard time and you're sponsoring, take on another sponsee. If selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our trouble, what is the best way to get out of self? The best way to get out of self is to, is to help another. And I don't just mean OA. If you're having a tough day at work, ask a coworker what you can do for them. If things are difficult at your home, turn to your husband and say, what can I do for you? Turn to your children. What can I do for you? Because a help them, I read again, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while is not enough. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Sharon, please. This is Sharon. Good morning. Thank you, Leah. Good morning to all on the line. This is Sharon, a recovered compulsive overeater. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. So never avoid these responsibilities but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them. So, uh, and then the other, I want to make one, I want to make two points. That one, and then I want to talk briefly about you have, you have to act the good Samaritan every day if need be. So we don't avoid these responsibilities. We want to be sure that we are doing the right thing. And... Uh, we have to be available to play the Good Samaritan every day. Now, on page 14, right from the start, right when Ebby went and talked to Bill, he made it very clear that this was a spiritual program. He said, from the get-go, I've found religion. I've found God. And 
And he emphasized what he, on page 14, my friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly, was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me? Now, maybe uh, we needed to have someone go to extra lengths for us. We have to be available to do that for the next person. And faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect or enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. And if he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. So this is, this is the, the foundation. This is the core of our spiritual growth and, reco- and of our, therefore, of our recovery in this program. This is how we grow along spiritual lines is by work and self-sacrifice for others. But it says never, uh, it says, be sure we are doing the right thing. Now, how can we be sure we're doing the right thing? And I would contend that this is, this it's in step 11 that we are learning to do the right thing for other people by improving our conscious contact with God, by through prayer and meditation, by staying connected to our power source, which is our God, our higher power, and by, continu- by continually recognizing that it is not us that is doing the work. We are, uh, if you, uh, to, to really put it, uh, down a little harshly, if you will. We're the servants. We're the we're we're not the master. We're doing the work that we're being directed to do. So we should never get into our head and and start doing a lot of things because we can get into self. Uh, sometimes our work can be selfish and self-centered. We're out there helping people and directing traffic again directing people and trying to run the show and trying to get people to do what we want them to do and what we think is right for them. So we have to be very careful, rein ourselves back in, make sure that we're doing our step 10, our step 11, so that we're not in self or self-centeredness, so that we have, uh, when, we're, when we're working, when we're working with our sponsees, it should be through our higher power, we should have a one mind on our higher power, one, one part of our mind uh, or one eye on our higher power, one eye on our sponsee. It should never be us jumping out there. Some of my most uh, precious meditation time is when I'm talking with my sponsee. I'm always wanting to be centered in my higher power because I, I want to listen with a spiritual ear, not with a... With a with a worldly, self, self-seeking self ear. And I just want to make this last point because I hear 
sponsee say, well, my sponsor told me I can only take this type of a sponsee and I can only take one sponsee and I shouldn't do this and I shouldn't do that and I got to ra- and it's and it's almost like the sponsor and I don't want to, you know, if if that's God speaking to the sponsor, I want to respect that. But I, I just feel a, a, it gives me a note of caution when when I you get these able-bodied people, a single person, and and being told that they can only take one sponsee, and 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 that or or drop this and don't do that, and it's almost like the person is trying to control their recovery on their own, and I can only do these things. Well, that's not what this paragraph is saying. This paragraph says stretch yourself. Take yourself to the limit. Go beyond what you think you can do because it's not about you. It's about tapping into a power source that is greater than you. Therefore, you're going to do more than what you can imagine you can do. You're going to help more people than what you think you can do. So we have to, in this process, of our recovery, we've got to let go of doing the things that we think we can do, get out of our mind and get into our heart this is and and get into our our and see this as part of our spiritual recovery and with that, I pass thank you, Sharon. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Well, I'll jump in here. <laughs> uh, my name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It says never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them. Uh, yes, those of us that have had a spiritual awakening, we're now charged with a responsibility. We do have an obligation. Uh, And that responsibility is to carry this message. And and certainly that's not um, our own philosophy or just our mere opinions. This is uh, a very specific message to carry. We have a responsibility to offer an adequate um, presentation of the program of recovery. You know, God has removed my obsession to compulsively overeat. So what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that? God has a job for me to do. We're reading about that job in this chapter entitled Working with Others. Um, I don't have to guess what God's will is for me. I've been instructed that his will for me um, is to carry this message. And, uh, you know, I like to think that the highest rank in the program of recovery is servant. And... um, you know, it's not always convenient, that's for sure. I don't know about you, but I, you know, certainly never wanted to be a compulsive overeater, and this might surprise many of you, but my life goal was not to be here every morning uh, speaking on a telephone line to other compulsive overeaters. I certainly had other thoughts and dreams for myself, um, but I do have that responsibility. But be sure you're doing the right thing if you assume them, meaning, as was previously stated, uh, not to enable, that there is a responsibility that a, re- a sponsee has to their recovery. Um, I'm not going to do them any good service if I'm constantly um, 
softening uh, and, and watering down these instructions. It says, helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. Um, Certainly, the program of recovery and this responsibility to carry the message is not convenient. It's inconvenient. Um, There's great time spent on the phone. There's great time speaking to people uh, in my living room. Um, But being driven by the merciless obsession of compulsive overeating wasn't convenient either. So uh, which would I like it to be? you know, uh, the rigor of active illness or the rigor of being a recovered person. Well, personally, I'd like to choose the latter. (laughs) I'd like the rigor of being a recovered person. And uh, that means carrying this message. That means spending time with people. Uh, Certainly the first 11 steps have brought amazing change into my life, a spiritual awakening, But when I look back on the 26 years of working with other people, I know I have grown far more from carrying this message than I I grew from that initial transformation. And the more I give what I've been given, the more I am blessed by God growing in my life. Uh, But, of course, I need to be a good Samaritan (laughs) throughout my life. I mean, it's wonderful to uh, be on the line for an hour every morning or two uh, with all of you. But what am I doing uh, the 22 other hours in my day? I have to practice these principles in all my affairs. Um, You know, what do I do with those other hours? Can I practice these principles at home with my husband and my children? Um, Am I uh, trying to comfort people? Am I treating my husband courteously? You know, the spiritual work of a recovered person um, goes well beyond just carrying the message. It's training my face to smile uh, at a cranky child at the end of the day. It is refraining and restraining my tongue from making negative remarks uh, to a husband (laughs) who might be cranky himself. It's, uh, you know, drilling my mind to judge others favorably and to offer love and tolerance and to do my best to see God in other people. It's trying to help another when when my own shoulders feel a little weary from my own responsibilities under this roof. So uh, it is inconvenient, and it will at times, uh, carrying the message, take great perseverance, persistence, and tenacity. It says here, your wife may sometimes say she is neglected. Uh, Well, you know, that is the balance and the work of trying to juggle the multitude of roles that we are enabled to have in this program of recovery. But the program of recovery has enabled me to be the wife that I am, to be the daughter that I am, to be the mother that I am, uh, you know, to be the uh, sponsor that I have the privilege to be. So, yes, it is demanding. It's not for the lighthearted. But, you know, well-matured, recovered compulsive overeaters you know, we have the opportunity to take these distorted drives that we've had and and we've been restored to uh, proper direction, true purpose. I mean, that is uh, the goal here. The true ambition of a recovered person is a deep desire to live usefully and to walk humbly under the grace of God. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? 
Hi, this is Leanne. I just heard a quickie thing. I heard Leanne Katie. and Will and Katie. Go ahead, Leanne. Yeah. Um, and someone Leanne. else, I think. Rebecca, Leah. And Rebecca. Thank you, Leanne, Katie, Rebecca. Go ahead, Leanne. Um, recovering from compulsive overeating. And I. Um, this reminds me of a long, long time ago when I was a small child. I, I wanted to eat all the time, and I was... I was into uh, restricting, and I would say to myself, okay, if I had the opportunity to go horseback riding right now, would I want to eat that? And I would try to trick my mind into, like, something that I was passionate about that would keep me from eating. And I used all of these little mental gymnastics to try to keep myself from eating all the time. And that reminds me of the paragraph that talks about selfishness and self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles. And only God can help us get rid of this. And it's just so amazing how this program works because as I came into recovery, I became so passionate about this program and about what God had done in my life that that passion completely directs me from selfishness. Like, it just takes me away from myself. And I believe that's the miracle that God allowed for me to happen, the passion of giving it away to somebody else who has struggled for so many years in the depths of despair, the passion that I feel because I don't do that anymore and I actually have a new mindset. I actually don't want to be the skinniest person. And um, that is the trick for me or the miracle of getting out of self. That is what God has given me to get out of self and I, I had a clue of what it was when I was a small child. Oh, if I could go horseback, if I could do one of my passions, no, eating would not be an issue right now. And, um, you know, not that I'm, like, using this to stay away from the food, because I believe God really has removed that compulsive thing about food. But it's just so interesting to me how it came full circle, and now it really means something. Um I will pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne. Katie, please. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, I just wanted to focus on these two sentences. A kindly act once in a while isn't enough. You have to act a good Samaritan every day if need be. And, of course, the good Samaritan, um, this story is that there were... um, this man was beaten up, and then, um, you know, one person walked by and just went to the other side of the road, and then another person came by and, you know, acted like they didn't see him, and then, you know, the Good Samaritan came along and cleaned him up and took him uh, to an inn and left enough money for him to be tended to, and then, you know, that's what he did. Um you know, and that just reminds me, it's like we help, we we offer our hand out to people. I'm available. I'm available. I will take your call. You know, I have four sponsees. I take their call. I make myself available for them every day at a particular time. You know, but do I hunt them down? Do I, um, you know, if people aren't ready for this, do I call them every day because they forget to call me? No. We have to um, find that balance of of helping people and not caring them. You know, the the Good Samaritan did not um, 
you know, move in with this guy and, and make sure he got everything um, for the rest of his life. He he got him back on his feet, and, and that's what we do. But we don't do it just once in a while. This is a, a big commitment, and it's not meant to scare people and to say, you know, you you may not be up to the task. Of course, in the beginning, our task is to put down the food and pick up this book and learn how to live differently. And, you know, I never would have imagined that I would have been someone who, you know, people would want me to be their sponsor and they would want to call me every day. You know, I didn't I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, but our availability and my staying abstinent every day and continuing to work this program is the service that I'm giving and people using me and uh, wanting what I have is part of that. You know, if I, I am, it was a, a lot of work and a lot of money and a lot of pain to stay in disease. And I know now that um, if I thought about picking up the food or just saying, oh, the heck with this, I don't want to do this anymore, I'd be taking other people with me. I mean, I would... You know, it would be um, a blow to a lot of people. So what they're saying here is that you need to keep doing this in order to preserve yourself, and in so doing, it strengthens your recovery, and then you're making more people than available to help the next person. And, you know, to me, this is the... uh, they talk about those pyramid programs, you know, it started with Amway and then every other thing you can think of, it um, mushrooms out. And that's the way this program works. The more people I help, then the more people they can help, and it goes on and on. That'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Rebecca, go ahead. Good morning. This is Rebecca S. from Connecticut, a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, these paragraphs, or this paragraph, really is speaking to me, and I'm moved to share that um, first I want to say that I have been conflicted about how much to do for others as it's juxtaposed against um, inconveniencing my family. And um, I appreciate the reminder that um, I inconvenienced my family terribly when I was in my disease. So relatively speaking, I don't think this inconvenience, it pales in comparison. And um, I do need to check in with my family and um, before I invite people into my home, ask that it's okay with them and not just... um, run my old racket, which is that I just did whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and too bad for them, they're going to have to like it. So um, I've learned that in this program, and um, it's been a bit of a hard lesson, um, but a good one, because my family is so important to me, and um, their perspective on things is often different than mine, but it doesn't make them wrong and me right. We are a team, and we do, and I need to honor that. Um, and the other thing I want to say is that um, all of you and the first hundred people in this book, and everyone who's made this program what it is today, have um, gone before me and set 
such a shining example of willingness to be of service that um, it paved the way for me to step up to the plate to the degree that I do. It may not be as much as the next person, but it's certainly more than my comfort zone ever would have allowed in my past and um, or even present. I, I step outside that and do it anyway. And um, I've learned to trust that God does for me what I could never do for myself, and that's been shown to me to be true. And if it's true for me, it's true for you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Would anyone this else like Sharon to comment? This is Sharon Colorado. Go ahead, Sharon. Thank you, Leah. Um, I just wanted to comment and <clears throat> zero in on that first uh, sentence. Never avoid these responsibilities, but be sure you are doing the right thing if you assume them. And you know, I just see on every page of this book um, God's signature written all over it. And um, <clears throat> at one point in my life, about 10 years ago, I worked in the inner city and we had a 12-step meeting every morning at 7 a.m. and we had a lot of homeless people come come to this meeting. And one thing I am learning is I too must seek God's guidance and seek his counsel uh, regarding um, what he wants me to do because if I'm trying to do it in my own strength, this is like as I, you know, I'm trying to stay sober or abstinent in my own strength, I'll fall flat on my face, I'll get burned out, and I'll become resentful. So, um, you know, I think each, each person will, can be guided by God to know exactly the amount of time and how much they will do or not do. And we all find ourselves in different phases of our life. But the bottom line is a heart, you know, to have that servant's heart. And if we keep maintaining that servant's heart attitude, God will give us the strength that we think we don't have. God will give us that energy that we don't have. And so that's what I take away from this paragraph. And I'm just so grateful that over the years, I have been allowed to be of service in many ways. And um, I continue to see that if I'm doing it in my own strength, I will, I will fall, just like with the eating or the alcohol. I will fall flat on my face. If I'm, if I'm trying to do anything in my own strength, that's what happens to me. So with that, I pass, and thank you all for all your service. Hiya. Thank you, Sharon. Anyone else before we move on? Hiya. Hiya, and then Janice, please. Thanks. Hi, everybody. This is Hiya, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic in Dallas, Texas. So grateful to be here, and welcome to the new people. Um, I love, you know, what we're reading, and I love the instructions. It's telling us a lot of balance here um, that we have to, um, you know, like it has been said, that we need to checking in with the 11th step to know, you know, whether we are doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, it's a balance. They're going to speak to us about this. You know, they said, you know, we meet these conditions. We may meet these conditions. We have to be prepared to meet these conditions. Some of the things that came to me as I've been hearing people share and as we read was how it tells us in the beginning, I was just working with, um, working with somebody new now, so we're in the very, very beginning of the book, and it talks about how the you know, rigorous work with alcoholics, in our case compulsive eaters, is vital to our recovery. That's the work that we do. 
obviously I can't do that work if I haven't had the spiritual awakening and recovered. I can't do that work. So the work is actually taking other people through the steps. And in order for me to do that, I must go through the work myself. Um, that's one thing. And then the other, I can't find it on, on my page for some reason. I lost my spot. But um, Leah, can you remind me the exact page because my book turned of the We paragraph. are on 97. Okay, great. My head turned to 98, and I was like, where is this? Um, so it says here, um, so helping others is the foundation stone of our recovery. Again, that's the foundation. You know, not putting down the food, obviously, is something that has to happen before we can even have this experience. So we have to put down our particular alcoholic foods, whatever they are, alcoholic behaviors, and then uh, through the steps we recover. And it's saying here that helping others is the foundation stone of your recovery. That's the foundation. It's not putting down the food. That's not the foundation of my recovery. That had to happen in order for me to recover. Um, and it says here, and I think maybe it was in the paragraph before, it says frequent contact with newcomers is, you know, is, is our, um, is, I can't find the sentence, but frequent contact with newcomers, it reminds me of that sentence, frequent contact with newcomers. And, you know, for a long time in OA, I didn't have, for newcomers because I was sponsoring people for years. Um, you know, they had a time slot and I was sponsoring people for years so they can tell me their food and their problems. And um, the gift of going through the steps through the book and being taught that my work is working with newcomers is that I'm able to take someone through the steps, sharing the message of the book, not my message, obviously my story and my experience, strength, and hope, but the message is the message of the book and give them that message through reading the book together and taking the instructions, and then releasing them to be able to do their work that's vital to their recovery, which is taking people through the book. And so that makes room for a newcomer in my life. And frequent contact with newcomers is, is going to be um, the lifeblood of my recovery. And, you know, and then like I do with my sponsor and my sponsees do with me once they're recovered is they do their 10th step and 11th step that you can reviews. And when they, something comes up and they need to discuss it, they discuss it with me. And we go through the book. We open the book and say, what does the book have to say? And that's the gift. That is the gift of this program. That's the gift. Not having people depend on me, but watching people learn how to depend on God. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Haya. Go ahead, Janice. Good morning. Good morning, Ms. Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. I love that that there we are giving some very clear-cut directions, very clear-cut. You know, it, it reminds us that having had the experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. So we're talking about the nitty-gritty here. The practical advice, how do you get sober and stay sober? And why are we doing this? Why are you and I, who have recovered, doing this? You know, and, and yes, it, it's showing me, it's showing me how to stay balanced. It says I'm supposed to use my discretion. I'm supposed to talk this over with my family so that I'm not imposing on them. I don't do this in isolation. I don't do this alone. I work with other sponsors. 
I work with other people who are working with others. I don't do this alone. But it tells me very clearly, never avoid these responsibilities. Never avoid these responsibilities. Because avoiding those responsibilities gets me in big trouble. Gets me in big trouble. Because doing service and helping others is indeed the foundation for me, one day at a time, one day at a time. And responsibility is filled with pleasure. It is a pleasure to help other people because I've been there. You know, having had that experience yourself, it says, you can offer much practical experience, what you did, how it worked for you. And remember, we are sick when we come in. I don't know about you, but I was plenty sick when I came in. My thinking was all screwed up, twisted thinking. That made me do all kinds of weird things in the beginning, ups and downs, highs and lows. But I had someone, other people, a whole network of people actually, who had had the experience and could share with me. You know, it might mean sharing it says in this paragraph. It might mean being available for that phone call, being available. But if someone picks up the phone before they pick up the food, will I take their phone call? You bet. You bet. Because I've been there. I've been there. And I know what it's like to have that foundation. You know, God works through all of us, works through that telephone, works through that advice that I might have to give, practical advice. Occasionally, it says you might have to meet these conditions, some conditions that seem a little bit hard in the beginning. But when you see that ringside seat to the miracle waiting for you, that you can have that pleasure in taking those responsibilities, why would we not? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Janice. And thank you to everyone who participated this morning on today's meeting. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Devorah, would you please read a vision for you? Hi. Good morning, everyone. This is Devorah, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Bye.